wondering what's wrong with your screens, don't worry. Rob is still alive, but not here. I am replacing him, hosting for the first time in a very long time. But we're doing a special show. It is the Thursday slash Friday show mashed together. I think we'll just go ahead and call it the Gold Diggers since it is your day, Michelle. But I am joined by Michelle, as always, on a Friday. I don't know. It's uh, Friday. Do you have a mimosa? I've never actually gotten to see you drink one. After this episode after we record i do plan to enjoy a mimosa <laughs> kate's family's in town we're going to go to brunch and have a fun time but yeah i'm excited to finally podcast with you without us you know yelling at each other for a straight hour i that was the only time we've been on a podcast together was during the trey lance debate whether he would have four thousand yards or not that turned out to be an entire waste of an hour of our life since we got to see him play one game yeah one we, game we should have known better no yeah. quarterback stays healthy for the 49ers. But. <laughs> I feel like we just jinxed him at that point. Uh, that's quite possible, but I'm not taking the blame. So <laughs> I you do have should. a review, As you Michelle. Said, it will, he will easily hit 4,000 yards. I feel like you're the one that jinxed him. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I guess we're going to yell at each other after all. But... <laughs> <laughs> There's going to have to be some of that. But of I did course. go ahead and, you know, try to fill in for stats. I did grab a review and I think you'll like this one because the last time you recorded with uh, Rob, he gave you a three-star review that has been changed. All right. It is from the, I'm going to say it's Oski Bob 101 is how you pronounce it, but it's titled, okay, Michelle, you're right. And he said, hearing your response to my criticism made me laugh. You're right. I changed my review to five stars. Now you only need to root for the Niners in the opener. Oh, well, I'm not doing that, <laughs> but I do appreciate the change to five stars. That makes me very happy. And I love to hear I'm right. Like anytime I get to read that sentence, Michelle, you're right. I'm like, that's a winner. But uh, yeah, I can't. I'll root for them the rest of the season. I can't do it in week one. <laughs> I should be pre-gaming brunch. If I had champagne in my house, I would be having one right now. I regret that I didn't go out and buy some. Yeah, that's disappointing, but uh, I'm that's just probably enjoying... confusing for people who are listening to the episode. Someone, uh, a listener wrote in and said that I should be pre-gaming brunch. <laughs> yeah, that was a comment. Uh, obviously, <laughs> I did not say it, but uh, and Michelle's not talking to herself. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to go ahead and start. We're going to jump in first with some comments that were made from this week. You know, it's been, uh, what, a good three days off for this network. So nobody's talked about this on the network. And we're going to start with what Debo said. You know, Debo was heavily critical of his past season, and he talked about it in depth uh, during an interview. How did you would you assess your season last year? Oh, it was awful. It was awful. Awful. Yeah. In what way? Every aspect. Debo, do you 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 comment on that a little bit? Like what you just said, every aspect. But uh, did that leave a a bitter taste in your mouth? Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, Me and Kyle had a long meeting the other day. We watched tape. Um, we talked about it. We put it behind us and um, just going through the tape and just look how sluggish and like how bad it looked on tape. Um, like I said, um, just reflecting on last offseason, it kind of played a big role in that. I never put nothing like that back on tape again. Did you feel it as the season was going on or was it not until you went back and watched it? Uh, I was kind of behind the eight ball a little bit um, for us, you know, uh, being in my routine that I normally be in for us the offseason, getting ready to play because like I said, uh, a lot of distractions was going on. But um, yeah, I kind of felt it, but I was just, you know, uh, uh, trying to will my way to help the team in every aspect possible. Obviously, I think we're both going to agree that, yeah, he was pretty bad last year. He didn't have a good season. I don't think there's any argument saying that he was the same player as the year before, but 
do you buy that it was completely due to basically the contract negotiations? Oh, I don't, I don't really agree with that. I think he was dealing with injuries. He did look a little bit heavier too. He did look slower. So maybe it did have to do with the off season. He wasn't as focused on being the best he could be because he was more focused on getting that contract and the money and he was frustrated. But I also think a super large part of this is that Kyle Shanahan was using him so in such a stupid manner where his air yards per target were so incredibly low for like the first half of the season, all the way through 75% of the season. That's like, what do you want him to do? You were asking him to break all these tackles. And that's the only way he was going to get any yards because every pass was within like two yards of the line of scrimmage. You can't, you can't really do much with that as a wide receiver. I get, he's a great tackle breaker, but you can't ask a man to do that nonstop. Your body is going to wear down and you're going to have injuries and then you're not going to be as good. I feel like Kyle fell in love too much with Debo, the offensive weapon and fell out of love with Debo, the wide receiver last year. And I think we really saw that early when early in the season, he was trying to run Debo on those end arounds like five, Mm -hmm. six times a game and they weren't working. That was clear. Like defenses said, we're not going to allow that to happen this year. And they were shutting it down. And then towards the end of the season, he was just using it once or twice to keep the defense honest to make them still concentrate on it. But he kind of stopped trying to just get the ball into Debo's hands and expecting magic to happen. And more was trying to get Debo in space. And I feel like that, that was the change was that he was just trying to give Debo the ball and then expecting him to do crazy things with it. Whereas he adjusted and towards the end of the season, and especially in that one playoff game, he was trying to get Debo the ball in space. Yeah. And I think if you get Debo in space, he's going to be fantastic, but you're completely accurate there where it was just like, we need to get the ball in Debo's hands this many times a game. And like as a rusher and just super close to the line of scrimmage and he'll make things happen. He'll make big plays happen. It's like, you can't really depend on that all the time. That's going to be super hard. And we saw, I mean, we saw his average drop from 18.2 in 2021 for yards per reception all the way down to 11.3. I mean, that's a massive drop-off. Now, he was at 11.8 in 2020 as well, so maybe the 2021 season was the outlier. But I do think it was more the way he was used than him being worse than what he was in 2021. He could get in a little bit better shape. Hopefully, he stays healthy. But we need Kyle Shanahan to be using him in a much better quality way, like give him more quality touches than quantity. And I, I think we'll see his... Uh, you know, how good he is, he'll be fine in 2023. Yeah, I'm expecting a bounce back, but I'm not expecting what he did when he earned that contract. I think that was an outlier season because that was the season where so many of his short receptions turned into 40, 50, 60 yard touchdowns. And that's why you saw that reception uh, yards go way up, you know, at the 18 that you're talking about. I don't think that that's realistic. I think he, he is more of a short yardage wide receiver and it's, why I've said for years now that Ayuk is the better receiver. Mm-hmm. Debo is the better offensive weapon. I think there is a difference there, but I'm not expecting Debo to be putting up 1400 yards every single year receiving. That's just not what he is. No, but I do think his air yards per target, like he was the lowest in the end. I don't have the numbers up cause I wasn't ready to talk about Debo, but the, the nut I brought him up all off season lo- or all last season long. Like, it was literally like two air yards per target. Well, most wide receivers are upwards of like eight, 10. Like it was so insanely low that it's just not fair to him to ask him to produce 
with that kind of, with those quality of targets. I do think now that they have Christian McCaffrey, they should be utilizing Debo. No, he's not the best, like, prototypical wide receiver where he's going to be great intermediate, but you can at least get him those eight air yard targets, right? And give him a little bit of space to work to maybe, you know, juke out a defender. But when you're doing it behind the line of scrimmage and three guys are coming at you, like as soon as you touch the ball, like, what do you want him to do? So I, 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 I don't think he's going to have a 1400 receiving yard season again, but we can get him a back around a thousand. I think he should be a thousand yard receiver every single year. I mean, just with the number of great players that they have on this roster, I think it's really hard for anybody to have as great of a season as he did two years ago. I don't expect that from anybody in the offense with Christian McCaffrey now here kind of siphoning some of those receptions. But he wasn't the only one to struggle last year. We saw George Kittle. Now, he doesn't have the contract excuse that Debo had, so he doesn't have a built-in one. I do think he has a better excuse, though. But first, we're going to talk – we're going to listen, sorry, to what – Kittle said because he was heavily critical of himself as well. First several games definitely started off slow. You know, I missed the first two. And after that, I'm pretty sure I averaged like three catches for like 30 yards for my next like six games, which is for someone, I mean, they pay me a lot of money. That's kind of unacceptable for me. So I was pretty upset with that and um, definitely got in the flow of things towards, you know, middle half of the year. Um, and, you know, was very confident in my run game, very confident the way I was running routes, catching the ball, getting in the end zone. Um, but I just the course over the course of the season, I think my, my level of play increased, and I think our whole team did. I mean, we went on a 12 game win streak, and everybody was playing at a pretty high level. So he said basically that I would say to interpret that he got into game shape. You know, he missed two games, then he struggled for a while, and then all of a sudden he took off. Do you think that's that, or do you think it was maybe something else that wasn't specifically him? Because that's what I think. Well, but I hey, wanted to give you the first chance. What he was describing isn't really what happened to his season. Yeah, he started a little sluggish for the first three games, but then games four and five are great. And then he, in the middle of the year, which he says that's when he started taking off, it was 39-21. He had a good 84-yard game, 26-22-28. I mean, that's all the way from week eight through week 14. I mean, what's the middle of the season if that's not? And then he had a couple good games there and then two bad games again to end. Not bad because he scored the touchdowns, but in terms of receiving yards, I don't think it has anything to do with George Kittle. You put George Kittle into the Chiefs offense, I think he puts up Travis Kelsey numbers. I think it has everything to do with the way he's utilized, the way Kyle Shanahan just completely ignores him at times. And I mean, a lot of it does have to do with there's so many other playmakers. They can get the ball, you know, that they can target that it doesn't have to go to Kittle, but he should be being targeted far more often than he is. But this has been something that's been happening for the last few years now. See, I think it's this comment down here. That's what I take it to. Third string all pro says he's saying Brock unlocked him. That's what I think. I think that when Jimmy went out, for whatever reason, Jimmy just stopped looking at Kittle, which is odd because those two seem to be as close as anybody on the team. But when Purdy took over, I feel like Kittle started getting looked at deeper down the field. Kittle only got short passes from Jimmy. When Purdy took over, suddenly that intermediate routes was unlocked as the comment says and I, I think a lot of it was Jimmy just didn't look for him 
Well, I mean, three of the five regular season games, he played with Purdy, four receptions for 28 yards, four receptions for 23 yards, four receptions for 29 yards, all seven yards per reception or less. So yeah, he had those two big games and I think he's excited. He scored some touchdowns finally in his career. Maybe that's where he's like, yeah, Brock, cause you know, I'm scoring touchdowns, but it's not like he was going off with Brock, all these games. He had the same number of good games with Jimmy Garoppolo as he had with Brock Purdy. And then in the playoffs, I mean, that first game, two for 37, the last game, three for 32, which I guess there was no quarterbacks. And then he did have that good uh, divisional game with versus Dallas, but he, it's, he's always been inconsistent. That's who he is. And I don't, again, I think it's the usage, not the player. Fair enough. Now, before we move on, we, we got to touch on it. Do you, do you want to give stats a little bit of vindication here? Because I know he's seeking it. Uh, he tweeted out pretty much right away that, you know, Kittle can criticize himself and say that he's not worth the money that he was getting paid essentially uh, last season. But when stats said it earlier, Kittle actually came back at him. Uh, does it get any vindication or are we going to be a little tougher here? I think you're allowed to talk bad about yourself. And then when someone else says it, you're like, what the, what the hell? You know, like you're allowed, or like, or if you like make fun of your best friend, that's okay. But like someone can't, you know, a stranger can't make fun of them. That's not cool. I will say I, I get where stats is coming from. I don't think he's saying George Kittle's not a good enough player to get paid this amount of money, but maybe this contract's not worth it for this particular team. Like if you're not going to, if you don't need to use a tight end that much, or you're not going to target him, then why are you paying a tight end this much money? Right? Like Travis Kelsey with the chiefs, it makes sense to pay him all that money because he is your focal point of your offense. You desperately need him. He is everything. But in an offense like this, if you're not going to target him and you're not going to utilize all of his skill set, then why are you paying someone so much money? It doesn't really make sense. And I think that's more what stats saying. Maybe I'm just putting words in his mouth. Uh, but so I don't think it's fair that Kittle came at him. <laughs> The way he did. I mean, I'm all for it, but uh, whenever Stats speaks, he's wrong, and he's not here to defend himself. So take that, Stats. It's popping up. Uh, Stats is actually listening right now in the background. He just doesn't have a voice, so uh, I'm going to say whatever I want about him, and he's got to listen <laughs> to it. But he's popping up the contract here with Kittle. You can see that there is an out coming up after this season. You know, this year, if they release him, he costs a little bit more to the salary cap due to the dead money going up by – a little over three million, but next year, yeah, you still have a dead cap hit of ten and a half million, but you save over nine million if you were to move on from him, whether through trade or otherwise. So there is an opening here, and that was, I think, mostly what Stats was alluding to that after this season, Kittle's probably going to be back, but it's not guaranteed. If he doesn't produce at a high level or he has an injury play, play, uh, plague season, then I wouldn't be surprised to see the Niners start to kick the tires on moving on. And they probably will have to decide on keeping George Kittle or paying Brandon Ayuk. And you have to decide which one's more important to our offense. And I do think every offseason you can find guys like Austin, like a guy like Austin Hooper, you can bring him in for cheap. He's not going to be close to the level of what George Kittle gives you. But if you don't need the tight end, like it's not something that you need that you don't need to target this guy a hundred times in your offense and you're not depending on him to do a, a bunch of things because you have all the other weapons then I think going with a guy like Austin Hooper saving that money and then paying the wide receiver could be the best route for this team yeah there's also the possibility that they move on from Debo it's a little bit 
less uh, lucrative to move on from Debo than Kittle, but they do save money by moving on from Debo after the season. It'll be interesting to see if they bring all three back or not. George was included in a top five list of sorts that uh, we wanted to discuss because I reacted to it. I didn't like this was an ESPN article. Oddly enough, it came from their analytics writer, but there's like no analytics whatsoever <laughs> in it. So it was kind of odd, but I took issue with it. And I'm going to try to share my screen here so that people can see what I'm talking about. Because they listed teams based on their top five and they made no distinction for adjusting for whether or not it was a quarterback or a more valuable position. The only thing they adjusted for was the average age, which the Niners are a little bit above average on that, but they weren't like way off. Uh, you can see there at 28.4, but you got Nick Boza, Trent Williams, Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, and Fred Warner were their top five. And yet they came in 10th. I took issue with that. Do you take issue with it? I do. I was like, when you first were writing about it, I was like, oh, he's just crying because he's a 49ers fan. But then I went and read it and like, I looked at the actual rankings. A, I didn't realize it was just top five guys on each roster. I mean, even if it was the full roster, 10 would be a brutal ranking as well. Like that wouldn't make sense. But I guess like looking at this, every other team ahead of them has a stable franchise quarterback of sorts. I mean, they do have the Dolphins at four with Tua. And, yeah, that's yeah, my main just, issue is the Dolphins. Yeah, like he showed signs of really like greatness last year, like flashes of it. But at the same time, we don't know if he could stay healthy and we haven't seen it long enough. I, I guess they're just penalizing them for the quarterback. That's, That's what it feels like. It. it feels like they didn't do a good enough job of kind of like spelling out their criteria yeah. or they simply didn't think about it hard enough to like really narrow down and say, okay, this is the criteria and we got to stick to it. Uh, that's what it feels like to me. But my issue was, is if you're talking about top five, okay, Fred Warner, he's the best at his position. Christian McCaffrey, I would say he's probably the best at his position right now, but you could argue maybe he's second or third, but certainly top three. Uh, you also had Trent Williams. He's the best at his position. You had George Kittle. I would say he's second best at his position. And then you had Nick Boza, who just won defensive MVP. So I get, to, I think you get to say he's the best at his position. Obviously, somebody you don't, like you don't Parsons. Get to say that. Uh, TJ Watt. TJ Watt. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh -huh. Uh, but certainly he has an he's argument. He's still top five. So top five, not even top three. You won't even go top three. Sure. I, I think I think you could rank all of these top five in pretty much any way you want to, <laughs> and there could be an argument for it, but I'll put him in that top five group. Okay. But point is, is that they have every single one of their players, other than I would say George Kittle now, because of the, <laughs> the way it's gone. <laughs> Stats is having fun here in the background with that breaking news. <laughs> it says Michelle's a crazy person for those listening to the podcast. Uh, Stats threw up that banner. Listen, Nick Bosa's Defensive Player of the Year season is like one of the worst in a really long time i mean this that kind of season doesn't normally win defensive player of the year so that's all i'm gonna say i think nick bosa is a top five edge in the league right now but i would not put him one or two <laughs> well the point <laughs> is that stats is coming in for this what, what are you doing oh, you left. All right. just came in to shake his head no he's okay. disappointed all right <laughs> I like this muted stats, though. That's nice. But the point is, is that the Niners have five players that have an argument for being the best at their position. Put it that way. Kittle, I don't. I think that argument's kind of gone by the wayside with the way he's gone the last two years and the way uh, Kelsey kind of took off. And even with Tyreek Hill 
still putting up what he did. But they have somebody like the Dolphins. That was the one I took the main issue with. Tua is not a top 10 quarterback. He is not a top 10 quarterback. And then they had two wide receivers. Well, if you have two of the same position, it's guaranteed they're not, you know, one of them is not the best at their position. And then they obviously had their uh, Armstead at offensive tackle. He's not as good as Williams. So not even close. It's, it doesn't make sense. There's no like rhyme or reason to this. And they didn't explain well enough, I, I think, to differentiate. All they say is, oh, yeah, these players are really good. Oh, they also had these people for consideration. They don't go into it. And that's why I feel like this is maybe an article that wasn't thought out well enough to really get a strong criteria. Yeah, I mean, and not also the Bills being there, like I maybe Josh Allen pushes it so far over. Again, we need to know the criteria. Like, does the quarterback right. outweigh so much? And Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs maybe push that over. But you have a aging Von Miller coming off a, a serious injury. You have Tradavius White, who hasn't been the same for a few years now, coming off also a serious injury. Matt Milano, like, yeah, he's a good linebacker, but no one's like dying for him to be on their team, right? Like so that that's silly to me. And then you also, when you go to the Jets, it's like, so Aaron Rodgers and Sauce Gardner just like change all of that. Quinn and Williams is a good young defensive tackle, but, and I am probably the biggest Garrett Wilson supporter here, but there's no way you can say <laughs> he's one of the best wide receivers. We have no idea. Like I know he won right. offensive rookie of the year, but he had just over 1100 yards. Like he didn't really do anything insane. Yeah. We have no idea where he lands. And then Elijah Vera Tucker, if he's in your top five, <laughs> of your best players, then you shouldn't be ranked eighth. If if Elijah Vera Tucker is in your top five, I'm not saying he's a bad player, but if that's your top five, then it, it shouldn't, you shouldn't be ahead of the 49ers. That's craziness. It, yeah. Especially when with the 49ers, you could have picked multiple other people. Like you could have mentioned that in the article. Yeah. Like it, it didn't have to be these guys. They didn't even have Debo on the list. They didn't have Ayuk. They didn't have a Tardavius White. They didn't have, well, I don't even know if there would be including Javon Hargrave since he was, but that should be included, right? He's on the roster now. I think he was mentioned as a possibility. So like, there's so many options you could have had. And with the Jets, you had to go with Elijah Vera Tucker because there's no possible other option for them. <laughs> it's it just, I, I feel like that there, there's a certain level that is like, oh, you're Pro Bowl quality. And then there's a true elite level, the elite of the elite at their position. I feel like the Niners have five of those players uh, yeah. that are in the elite of the elite, not just Pro Bowl quality. And that is very rare. I don't, I'm not convinced that there's another team that has five at that level. Now, do I think that you should adjust for what positions you have in there? Yeah, I think you should. Like, I'm not going to say, oh, I'm going to take the Niners top five over everybody because there's no quarterback in there. So if you want to downgrade them for that, I'm fine. But they didn't spell that out as it, if that is actually part of this or not. So that's where I take issue. But None of the quarterback was included, but I did want to ask you about quarterbacks because I think this is an interesting debate. And I think you and I probably know more about this than anybody else on the network because I live in Pittsburgh. You're also a Steelers fan. So I saw a lot of picket, mm -hmm. but I'm curious who you would pick if somebody comes to you and says, you can start a franchise and you get a pick from these three quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. You got Purdy knowing that right now he looks to be getting healthy, but he is not healthy. You got Lance with the high upside and you got Kenny Pickett. Who are you picking to start? Justin Fields. <laughs> no, I did not include him because I didn't want to argue about Justin Fields. I don't know um, if you saw my tweet about Justin Fields yesterday. I did tag you in it. I did. And I came with, uh, I came to 
you know, fight with you about that, but we don't have to talk about Justin Fields. If I had a pick out of that group for the Steelers, I'm going with Trey Lance. Brock Purdy with Pittsburgh would not be good. Not be good in the slightest. I, I get he, he's perfect for the Kyle Shanahan system. The exact opposite of Kyle Shanahan's system is Matt Canada's system, who's the offensive coordinator for the Steelers. The Steelers had the highest rate of uh, um, tight window targets last year. Like, just nobody was open and boundary targets. Well, it was here's a well, jump ball, George Pickens, go get it. Yeah, there's nobody. Yeah, the plan is uh, you know, you run a route near the sideline. You're not going to have any capability of getting open. We're not going to get you any space, any of you wide receivers or playmakers. Sorry, figure it out. And then Kenny Pickett has to throw it into the super tight window. And he actually did a pretty good job at it. I was impressed with Kenny Pickett because I was not happy with the draft pick whatsoever. He actually showed more than I thought he was going to. His stats were absolutely abysmal. But on film, I thought he showed more than he was going to. But I would take Trey Lance. Just there's... No upside with Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett is Derek Carr at his very, very best. Like, and that's exactly who Derek Carr is. He has moments where he's like, oh, sh-. like, good for you, Derek Carr. And he has so many bad moments, and he's never going to carry a team. He's never going to take you to the Super Bowl unless your team is absolutely loaded, stacked everywhere else. And that's just not the Steelers. So I'd go with Trey Lance for sure because he gives the most upside uh, and at least would maybe create space because defense would have to be worried about his legs. Yeah, I, I think a lot of it, as you mentioned, is the offensive scheme matters a lot when it comes to this. Because if you're talking about running a traditional West Coast offense, I think I'm probably going to take the risk on Purdy. You know, I don't like the injury. I think there's a lot of risk there, even though it looks like he's going to come back. There's still a lot of risk, and there's no guarantee the brace holds. That's the other part of it is two years down the road, that brace could give way. You know, uh, so there's a lot of scare there. But I think Brock is perfect for the timing short route West coast offense. And I love his scrambling abilities. He's not going to be somebody that goes runs for 20 yards, but he's capable of getting out of a lot of sacks enough mobility there. But if you're talking about something that's more advanced, more complex, not complicated, but you know, you got to throw deeper a lot more often, you know, I, I'm older. So I think of Mike Martz a lot of times when you're talking about deep passing, then I think Purdy goes to the bottom of the list and would be not even somebody I truly want in that offense at all. And then it becomes, do I want Trey Lance or do I want Kenny Pickett? I actually liked what I saw from Kenny Pickett. You know, I watched probably about half the Steelers games last year. I think he made the right decision Mm -hmm. a lot of times. And that I've told, I've told that to stats. Pickett is better than what you would think looking at the statistics. Yeah, It's like you mentioned, he had to throw into coverage a lot. But then he also had two really big wide receivers for most of the season, you know, because he or about half the season because he had Mapletron, which I think he needs to give up that nickname with the way it's gone. Yes. Chase Claypool. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, George Pickens is maybe the best in the league in a jump ball. So a lot of times he was looking and he had one on one deep. Why aren't you going to throw it to these massive wide receivers one on one deep? That's what you're trained to do. And a lot of times it just either didn't get complete or got picked off despite it being one on one. So I think I would probably put Kenny Pickett up there above Trey Lance. If Trey Lance had no injury history and we're talking about a player that just hasn't gotten a chance, I would probably take Trey Lance. But the injury history, I think, is where I put him below Pickett because of that. So the reason I would go with Lance, too, is because it's either going to be horrible or great, right? He, with him having to throw so many tight coverage throws, like it's it's not going to be open and you're going to have to be accurate. And we don't know if Lance can be yet, right? 
So it might be a ton of interceptions. I would rather have a garbage quarterback that you know you can move on to than have one of those quarterbacks yeah. right there in the middle. And that's why when they drafted Kenny Pickett, I literally shed tears. Like I was so <laughs> sad in that moment because I knew the next 10 years of my life as a Steelers fan is pointless and not <laughs> like it, it's pointless. They're never going to win a Super Bowl, but they'll always win around eight, nine, 10 games with Kenny Pickett. They'll get to the playoffs sometimes, they'll lose in the wild card a lot. And it's you should exactly, be used to that. That's how the last decade has been. I, exactly. And that's why I wanted something <laughs> else to look forward to. But that's exactly what we have again. Not, like with Kenny. Well, not again, because Ben was great until he got old. But with Kenny Pickett, it's just Derek Carr. And Derek Carr is my least favorite type of quarterback. It's my least favorite type of quarterback. I absolutely hate that. And that's what we have. It's just like karma for making fun of Derek Carr so much in his oily arms. Yeah, it's Gosh, probably karma like for... Standing by Roethlisberger, but we don't. Need I to never that stood time. by Roethlisberger. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the Steelers overall. Okay, I, think, right, they, I right. think they deserve a decade of being bad due to that. Which, by the way, Big Ben flat out said like a week ago that he was rooting against Pickett because he didn't want his replacement to come in and be better than him. It's like, God, you're such a garbage human. Being. I know. I not I know. Like He's not even scared to hide it. He he no, wants to put it right not. out there. But before we go, we do need to touch on the pass rusher market. It's mm -hmm. finally started to move. There is a log jam of quality veteran pass rushers that are good, but not great. So you don't want to pay them because they're all in their thirties. Uh, but it finally moved. We had Leonard Floyd. He signed for 7 million. Now they did a lot of shenanigans with that contract. I don't know if you've seen that, but they gave him a large signing bonus so that he only counts like 2.3 million against the cap this year. And then nice. they have a dead cap hit of the rest of it next year. And then you also had Frank Clark sign, uh, what, three days ago for, he's gotten 5.5 guaranteed and then seven and a half, the max with incentives. That's not a lot of money. And you got guys like in out there, you got uh, still Jadanian and Clowney. I like Robert oh. Quinn. You got, the cheaper Justin Houston, options, your boy, right? I think the cheaper options come in when you're talking about a Justin Houston or maybe even a Carlos Dunlop. Do you think the Niners need one of them, or would you be confident enough that Drake Jackson is going to come around based on what you saw from this past week where he seems to have taken things seriously? I do think Drake Jackson will be better this year, but I don't think you can put all your eggs in that basket. And they really need, I mean, last year, Bosa was the only player with more than five sacks. And then you lost the two guys that had, that were right behind him with Ibukam at five and Amenahu at 4.5. Those were the next two guys in sacks for the 49ers last year, which is really bad in its own way. But then you also lost those guys. You need to bring in depth. And I do think Drake Jackson will take a big step forward. And it's really nice. You got Hargrave there in the middle and he can, you know, cause pressure and get sacks as well, but you need more edge guys and you need a rotation. And right now I think they're way too weak at that. I was surprised like a guy like Marcus Golden was on the market for so long. I know he's not great, but the Steelers stole him. I thought for one year, $3 million, he has multiple seasons with over 10 sacks. Last year was a rough year for him, but like the Cardinals defense was, I don't think anyone was trying on that team, honestly. <laughs> like, so I, I just two years ago, he had over 10 sacks and I, I'm surprised like the 49ers didn't go with a guy like that. But yeah, right now it pretty much comes down to Justin Houston, who's 34 years old or Yannick Ngakwe. He's still young. I mean, I think he's like 28. Yeah, he's 28. He had nine and a half sacks last year. 
And I think he had over nine sacks the year before that prior too. I don't think he's like the best player in the world, but he would be a great addition. He just might be, do you think he would be more pricey than even Leonard Floyd or would he come? I, in I think at this that? point, the fact that he hasn't signed and he's the only one of these guys, that's not like older. I do think he probably is sitting here thinking he deserves more than is being offered. And he's just being stubborn about it at this point. Yeah. But I do think that they need to get one of these because I, I fine if you believe in Drake, but the problem is what happens if he gets hurt or Boza gets hurt, you're screwed. You can't yeah. go in. We we've had too many injuries, you know, their defensive line, they wear down. You can always have a rotation. The Niners are big on that. So why wouldn't you go get one of these? I will be disappointed if they don't get one, but I honestly have no clue if they're actually pursuing anybody here. Like I honestly do not know. Cause They've not hinted at anything. You haven't seen any rumors about it, which by the way, is kind of odd to me. None of these pass rushers really have rumors come out. It's like nothing is happening. It's really weird that there isn't like leaks coming out from, I would think at this point, it's the agents that would want to leak. Oh, there's interest here to try to drum up more interest, but we're not seeing any of that. Yeah. I think a lot of these guys just realize, okay, I'm aging. I'll sign on with the team. Maybe they're not like, they're not in a hurry, right? Like they're not dying to go to OTAs and minicamp. They're like, yeah, I'll, I'll join a team later on in the summer. I don't need to do this right now. And yeah, right now it just seems like they're putting way too much faith in Drake Jackson, who again, I think is a very special talent. I think he can be a very good edge rusher. It's just, it can't just be him. That, like, that can't be the entire answer. They did sign, I guess, Cleveland Farrell, right? Maybe, I mean, what he was like a third overall pick, wasn't he? A terrible third overall pick. Was he third? I can't, he was top he five, was I know for sure. Whatever it was, it was far too high. And, but maybe he's disappointed for his draft costs, but maybe with a new team, he could be a very solid addition as well. We'll see. I think he was fourth because it, that was the year of Murray, then Boza, and then wasn't it uh, Queen and Williams? Yeah. And then it was, yeah. and then I think it was Farrell coming fourth. Either way, it's terrible. Yeah, I always want to say feral. <laughs> <laughs> Stats isn't here to give me crap from his. What's this funny? Because I feel like everyone knew at the time. They were like, "Oh, why is he going yeah. so high?" Yeah, he they did. Well, like you, you had other guys. Ryan Burns was there. You had the the pass rusher Josh Allen was sitting there. It, it was an odd draft, but you know that's yeah. the Raiders for you. <laughs> and that that's all there needs to be said. Like maybe he comes into something, but that's not something you want to count on. That's more the, oh, great, we got something out of him. And if you don't get anything, it didn't really cost you anything. They I need do think something Justin else. Houston could be perfect addition because that's not a guy that's going to steal a ton of snaps. Like he's he's old. Like you need to play him at the right moments. He's not he's not gonna be well, I guess he could start, but like you could still start Drake Jackson, but then have Justin Houston coming off the bench and kind of the rotation. I feel like if you brought in an Iguacue, he would he would be expected to play a lot of time. You know, you take a lot of those snaps from Drake Jackson and maybe hinder his development, or I think Justin Houston would only help Drake Jackson's development. So I'm kind of leaning more towards go the cheap, like really, really cheap. I mean, Houston last year signed for one year, 3.5 million with Baltimore. He's mm -hmm. probably even cheaper than that now with the, I mean, there's not maybe a lot because of 30, he, had, he had nine and a half sacks. So he yeah, might have upped his pay a tiny bit, but there's no way he's getting more than 5 million. You know, Frank yeah. Clark got five and a half guaranteed up front. So yeah, to me, I, I view Justin Houston. The reason why I liked him is because on a pass rushing down, he's D Ford. He yeah. is an extreme speed guy that because he gets uh, off the ball so quickly, he's capable of having a little bit of a bull rush too. But I view him as somebody that could fill that D, D Ford role 
and play. I think D Ford, the one year that he actually played a decent bit, he only played like 320 snaps. So I feel like he could do that. You don't need him to play the five, six, 700 snaps. You can have Drake Jackson play that many snaps. Normally you have like a thousand to 1100 plays in a season. Uh, so you could have Drake Jackson still play like 60% of the snaps, but have Houston come in when it's an obvious passing down, you know, second and 15 or third and longer than three, you have Houston come in. That's why I liked Houston originally, because I feel like he's somebody that is just a specialist, but he's a specialist at something that's super important. Yeah. I I do think that they need to be looking at depth because especially if Nick Bosa goes down, I mean, at that point, the defense is already like, like you're already in trouble, but then you really have nothing there. And last year, the 49ers allowed a 70 completion percentage to opponents when not causing pressure. So it was like a lot of their defense because their secondary is their weak link, right? Ward was a very good addition, but the, the secondary is definitely the weak link and the, the, pressure that Bosa caused and the rest of the defensive line at times, it did matter. It helped the secondary a lot, not be like the worst, although they did allow this. They were 20th ranked in passing yards per game allowed last year. So they did struggle in that area. But the thing that I was like really opened my eyes and what kind of scares me this year with the secondary, because they haven't added to it really. They've only lost. So the 49ers allowed a wide open target. That's five plus yards of separation at target on 26.6% of opponent pass attempts. That was the fourth highest such rate in the NFL. Only the Texans, Cardinals, and Bears allowed a higher rate. Those were the only teams worse than the 49ers. And it, it basically came down to, are we getting pressure or are we not? If we're not getting pressure, there's going to be a wide open pass. And if there's pressure, then we're good. So they, this is what they, this is what this defense relies on. They need the pressure. And that's why I think uh, that's why they absolutely need to be looking to add depth here. Well, luckily we only have what three months to go. Bad news is we also have three months to go before we find out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like we're close enough to where it's like, Ooh, season's almost here. But in reality, it's like three months. And that sounds like a long time when you actually look at the calendar, almost three months to the day tomorrow would make three months to the day until uh, week one where, you're not coming all the way back to Pittsburgh because you have a job. I know. Are you guys going to the game week one? Pittsburgh? Well, you got to stay on stats there because he's, he he's, I think, leaning towards going, but he has not given me the official word oh, yet. You need to go. So, you need to go. I, I feel like go. it's going to be one of those things that he goes and he's like, yes, yeah, see, this is why I like sitting at home. <laughs> there is like something lost. Like you don't get the like, in-depth yeah. replays he'll totally the be the 80 year old man mm-hmm. that's grumpy about it like oh i just can't see everything i want to see and uh my phone doesn't have good enough service to see the other are we scores. getting a stats impression i heard your impression <laughs> of me a couple of weeks ago I, i'm not very good at impressions so you're okay yeah everyone's safe <laughs> well all right i appreciate you jumping on and uh, i guess well i'm jumping on your day so you're here at normal but it was good to actually talk to you and, uh, you know, not have stats interfering and trying to make us argue too much and, you know, just being his usual self, but that he's going to do it for us, a special live edition. I don't get to do these lives all that much because stats does one on Monday and Wednesday, and he's kind of, I think, over it by the time I come. Plus, my schedule makes it difficult, but I do appreciate you coming on and it was fun to actually talk to you. <laughs> yeah, you did a good job hosting. Who would have thunk? Who would have thought? <laughs> it's been a long time. I think I've hosted like twice before we did our own thing and stats took over fully. And that's like twice since I graduated college. But I did used to do my own radio show. 
So I, I love how I just history. assumed you would be the host too. Like I was never going to do it. So I was just like, <laughs> it better be Levin because I'm not coming on here and hosting right now. That would have made me way too nervous, but you did a great job. And I think next week stats will be back, right? Right. He should be back on Monday. He'll, he'll quit being, you know, sore and, you know, it'll be one appendix down, but he'll still be his normal self. So he'll, yeah. he'll be probably ready to go because he's had almost an entire week now of not getting to complain about anything other than his oh. appendix hurting, but that's different. Yeah, we'll see if he comes back happier. Less grumpy. <laughs> I mean, last time we heard from him, he had <laughs> he was getting called out by Chris Sims. So, oh no. <laughs> Peace, everybody. Bye, y'all.